0: The music is provided by Calvary Quartet. You can have more of their music at calvaryquartet.com or log on to our website at com. There came a sign Bibles to the book of Ezekiel. I want to read a passage, chapter 3, verse 17 to 21. If you don't have a Bible, we have a red-colored book. Are we too loud here? Are you driving me too much? Tyler, are you back there, buddy? Bring it down a little bit. Um, if uh, there isn't a red colored book as opposed to the burgundy colored songbooks, or should be at least two per row, and that way you have a Bible you can look at if you like hopefully you bring your Bible that way you can mark it uh, a, a Bible that is marked up as a Bible that, uh, is ex- that I'm excited for the people who do it, mark them up, I'm one of those guys that mark the Bible up make notes in it, and everything else, some of you don't some of you don't, now, you've told me why I don't do it, because it's not me well that's fine In verse 17, and starting through, going through verse 21 there, it says, Ezekiel, Son of man, I have made thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore hear the word at my mouth and give them warning from me. When I say unto the wicked, thou shalt surely die, and thou givest him not warning, nor speakest to warn the wicked from his wicked way to save his life. The same wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Yet if thou warn the wicked, and he turn not from his wickedness, nor from his wicked way, he shall die in his iniquity. In other words, he's going to die, but thou hast delivered thy soul. And again, when a righteous man doth turn from his righteousness, commit iniquity, and lay a stumbling block before him, he shall die. Because thou hast not given him warning, he shall die in his sin, and his righteousness which he hath done shall not be remembered, but his blood will I require at thine hand. Nevertheless, if thou warn the righteous man that the righteous sin not, and he doth not sin, he shall surely live, because he is warned also thou hast delivered thy soul. This is repeated again in Ezekiel in a very similar fashion, I believe in chapter either 32 or 33. And where God takes this prophet Ezekiel and he uses him to be his watchman. There's no doubt by the commandments that Jesus Christ has given us and the church as he left on his way out, his last words to us on his way out was, to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go and teach all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the age. Those pretty much were his last words. And so we have been given a similar command, a similar injunction by God himself as recipients of his grace. How many here would say an amen that I am a recipient of the grace of God? Say amen. amen. All right, the vast majority. And I also am a recipient of the grace of God. Now, not everybody in here may be and understand what that whole thing is, and I want to try to explain to you uh, both to the Christian today, as well as at the same time, if you're not if you're not decided on Jesus yet, I want to bring you into this also and help you decide. For him, so I'm going to do two things at one time. As my wife said, I, I am. Uh, she, my wife says, well, I'm good at multitasking. I doubt I doubt that highly, but nevertheless, I'm going to do a 50-50 here on multitasking to the Christian as well as the unsaved. Um, you may have noticed as you've, have you have you've gone through life, some people have these little memorized statements that they make, and oftentimes are just parroting something that they've heard, something they've read, something they've decided on was okay. It is, And a lot of times they don't stop and think about what they're saying. Uh, but God has told us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And I've heard other preachers, even in preachers' conferences, especially among a group called the New Evangelicals. And why they're new is because they're not like the old. That's big, that's deep, right? One of the statements I hear them say, you can't win folks to the Lord if you make them mad. In fact, in their group, they say that we're not supposed to preach about sin anymore because if you preach about sin, it makes people mad. And when people get mad, they don't get saved. I want to I want to dispute that a little bit. Also, by what we just read in Ezekiel, I mean, you know, I don't think God's concern was whether these people are mad or anything else. That God's concern is to tell people the truth before they die to give them an opportunity further the bus ministries about getting out in the neighborhoods and giving the truth to those young people, parents, and whoever else is involved in that before they die. Door-to-door ministry, which will be coming up the 9th of January. I know my brother spent quite a bit of time about talking about concealed weapons for a minute, I kind of wish he would talked a little bit more about door-to-door, but nevertheless. <laughs> door-to-door is the same day. It is in the morning at 945, and of the two choices, if you can only do one of the two, you come door to door and get your concealed of weapons from it some other time. Because I'll tell you, that's a much better choice. you have chosen wisely, as I may say. But this statement, a lot of times, you can't win folks the Lord if you make them mad just really to take the heat off of them. Usually it comes from somebody who's spoken to Jesus about the scripture, and they've talked to him, and the person reacted in a severe or harsh manner, And they consequently felt, well, that was a loser. Just because somebody gets mad, you tell the truth, doesn't mean you have done wrong. It it doesn't mean you have not been effective. It doesn't mean the whole thing's gone. I I mean, I'll admit, if you intentionally go into the deal trying to make somebody mad, uh, you probably will succeed, but you have not done the right thing. But if you go into it with a good spirit, not trying to irritate somebody, I mean, I've gone door-to-door with some folks that I thought their mission was to make somebody man and throw us out. I also have gone door-to-door with some folks who were bold for Jesus and said some very hard things to the people, but they were true things. And I've seen people. I, I went with a guy one time that all he wanted to talk about was hell. It's not real popular. And he'd go, to, he'd go to his folks and he'd say, do you know if you die today you're, you're, and you don't know Christ, you're going directly to hell. And they'd say, a lot of them would be like, how dare you talk to me like that? He'd say, because I love you. And they'd say, what? they say, because you don't want to go to hell. Nobody wants to go to hell. Why anybody to go to hell for one minute would be the best preacher you ever heard, most fervent preacher of, of, about salvation you ever sat under. He said, and, and I had seen I've seen him win people to Christ with that kind of approach, similar to what maybe Ezekiel was given command. Too many many times we Christians do not understand how God convicts people to salvation. And we compromise the word in an effort to keep them from getting mad. Consequently, never giving them enough truth so that they can be saved. And I want to try to work with that a little bit on the three stages of salvation that I've seen and others have observed. I believe there can be three stages to a person coming to know Christ. Uh, I believe before anybody can be found, they have to be lost. That's deep theology, amen. Oh, that's deep. Before anybody can get saved, you have to you have to believe you need to be saved, right? I've seen people on, on their soul-winning efforts to go out there and preach the love of God and the grace of God and the love of God and the grace of God. The trouble is that the people they're talking to don't feel they need the love of God and don't understand what in the world you'd ever be talking to about the grace of God for because they feel they're fine. People that are in jeopardy want the love of God. People that are, are, are concerned about their, their stand before God as, as being evil, they want the grace of God. But people that are not convicted about sin and don't feel like they've done really all that much wrong and feel like you've done worse than they have, surely that God's going to go up there and go like this. How many times? 90 some odd percent, I'll bet the people I go door to door on try to tell me that God in the end of it all is going to do this little, I call it the scale. You know, that my good works going to outweigh my bad works. And boy, are they easy on themselves. I mean, they don't list all them bad works. Oh, what about all that stuff? No, I'm not going to list that. Before anybody can get their sins forgiven, they have to realize, with all their heart, that they are sinners. That makes sense. All right, let me ask you some questions: Are people in jeopardy without Christ? Does the Bible say that life is brief at best? Doesn't it? Doesn't it say that? let's read a few. Isaiah chapter 64, 6, don't go to them, let me say, I'm just going to quote part of them. It says, we all do fade as a leaf. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 6 and 7 says, all flesh is grass, and all the goodness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it, surely the people is grass. James chapter 1, verse 10 says, but the rich, in that he is made low, because he is as the flower of the grass, shall pass away. And it says, for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass, and the flower thereof falleth, and the grace and the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, for what is life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and vanishes away. Now, we in Florida have a little hard time understanding that verse. Because when we go outside and breathe, we don't see our breath. But you northern folks get a demonstration that about nine out of the 12 months. You get to go outside and go, and you have a vapor that appears. I, I saw even a demonstration on YouTube where they take a hot cup of coffee, throw it out, and it becomes just ice and falls on the ground like a cloud. Unbelievable. It's got to be cold for that to happen. I don't know how cold it was, but they would go out with this coffee, just go like that. It just turns into a cloud of ice. That's what the Bible says your life's like. You go outside and go, it has an influence, it's a vapor, it is visible, but it quickly passes away. That's God's warning. There's no guarantee here even this morning that you are going to live to see tomorrow. Your heart right now is pushing hard against your vascular system trying to see if it can break one of those capillaries on the end, possibly in your cerebral cortex or possibly in another part of your brain or body to see if it can bust out. And it's just the very will of God that keeps those things from. Imagine how how easily it would be for just one of them to break and, and it's over. I've gone. You say, oh, Brother Bill, not me. Oh, I've gone to a lot. I went, I went not long ago to a guy that was 53 years old playing tennis in fabulous shape. By the way, it's not 53 young. I mean, 53 years old, this old boy was in good shape, man, a flat stomach, muscle, muscular guys. He's laying in the hospital bed on the, on the uh, uh, whatever they call that thing, and, and uh, they were breathing for him and, and everything else, and he was brain dead, flatline brain. Had a stroke in the cerebral cortex while he was playing tennis. Had no previous heart trouble, no previous nothing. He's in good shape. Praise God, he did know Christ as his personal Savior. Praise God, he had called out to Jesus as as a sinner, unable to save himself, believing Jesus was the way, the truth, and the life. He had, praise God, humbled himself under the mighty hand of God and 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 asked Him for His salvation that He finished and paid for on Calvary. Sealed by the resurrection. And he was ready to meet God. But you know what? I bet if I could have called him back and said, weren't you surprised when you when you had that on, on the tennis court, weren't you surprised? He went, you know, he probably just missed a good shot and went Phew. Amen. In John chapter 8, verse 21. I see Jesus not worried about making people mad, making people upset when he's talking to them. In John eight twenty one. let me read you some verses there. And so Jesus said unto them, I go my way and you shall seek me and, ye, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Because he saith, Whither I go, you cannot come. And he saith unto them, Ye are from beneath, I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that ye shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. Almost 2,000 years since the speaking of these words, still it is in God's will to repeat it again to another group of people. If, you, If you... Do not believe on Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You will die in your sins. Now, he didn't worry about making them. He said, Brother Bill, that's really tough. You're going to make these people mad. And you, and you know the statement. You can't get somebody mad or they won't get saved. But Jesus was tough. There was nobody in the Bible. I would challenge you to look through your Bible to see anybody who preached a tougher sermon than Jesus did in Mark chapter 9. He says, cut off your hand. Pluck your eye out. Cut your foot off. Because if that's what's going to save you, if if your hand's going to send you to hell by what it does, if your feet are going to take you to places and eventually you're going to go to hell because of where it takes you, if your eye is going to see something and cause you to go to hell because of your sin, it would be better to pluck your eye out, cut your hand off, cut your foot off, than to go to a place where the worm Diet not, or the fire is not quenched. Those are the words of Jesus Christ. Oh, the liberal and the new evangelical love to quote Jesus, the loving Savior, but they don't want to quote that. And I don't know if if, if, if it's, if, I know it's true, but my mother used to say it like this, I have truth as a whole. That's right. I mean, look, if you just take the Bible that makes you happy, the part of the book that this is pleasing to you, and you ignore the rest of it, as far as I'm concerned, you're a liar. You've lied to yourself. You know the worst person to lie to is yourself. Don't lie to yourself. The Bible says, be not deceived. Whatsoever man soweth, that also shall he reap. I believe that Jesus... Was willing to make people mad in order to tell them the truth. And if you want to see some folks born again into the kingdom of God, especially your relatives, especially maybe your moms and dads, especially your grandma and grandpa's, especially your brothers and sisters, you probably will make them mad first. Remember, I talked to you about the three stages of salvation. The first stage is they get mad. The first stage is they get mad, no doubt about it. How many of you got angry at the person that first intimated that you were a sinner and possibly on your way to hell? How many here about, will be honest enough to say I got I got angry, I got upset, I got angry? Anybody in here? Anybody here? Got the rest of you lying? My mother. Was a a woman that wanted to do right. She was moral. She got married right way. Waited waited to get married. Not saved, but raised in a moral home. Was moral in every one of her deeds Was tried to be honest with everybody around her. Tried to be a good woman and every tried to. She had three beautiful boys. But she. She tells me the story one time where that she was going into the grocery store to buy some groceries on her checkout. One of the checkout guys said, uh, Lorraine, do you know you know Jesus is your Savior? And, of course, she didn't know quite what the answer to that would be. And, you know, she, I mean, didn't really know what to say. You know, she felt religious. She felt righteous. She felt that she was just as good as anybody out there. And he Said to her, well, you know, Lorraine, if you don't get saved, you're going to go to a devil's hell. And my mom had a temper. My mom had a mouth and a temper. She was raised in a family with an iniquity of cussing, which I inherited. And an iniquity of cussing, an iniquity of foul language. Her dad was that way, her brothers were that I mean, her, and I, her, her sons were that way. And we, and we have battled that, and don't get me mad. But anyway, we, she told me that she was in righteously indignant, that he would indicate to her that she was of such of a person that she would go to hell. And she said, I excuse me, I don't. And so she gets mad at the guy, leaves it, upset. Goes home upset. How dare he intimate that? I'm every bit as good as he is. I've done things the right way. I don't hurt anybody. I don't cheat anybody. I don't lie to folks. The Holy Spirit kept repeating that and 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 repeating that. See, the first stage to her getting saved was she had to get mad. She had to get mad. But as that thing kept going on, she got sad. She got sad. See, people will flatter you. People will flatter you, but that's not going to help you. It doesn't help me when people come up to me and tell me how wonderful I am, which, by the way, doesn't happen very much. Psalm 12, verse 3 says, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips. Proverbs 26, 28 said, and a flattering tongue worketh ruin. Proverbs 29, 5 says, a man that flattereth his neighbor spreadeth a net for his feet. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 2, 5 says, for neither any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness, Paul's words to the Thessalonian Christians. I believe that we need the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. The title of this sermon is "Tell It Like It Is." Christian, quit apologizing for what Jesus said, and just say what He said. And if I like the old statement, is we stand without apology for the Word of God. We stand without apology for what Jesus said. I don't. Worry, I'm not worried about the culture. I'm not worried about the signs of the times or things are different today than they were. The word of God once settled and forever settled in heaven is adequate for any generation, and it's got the key to your salvation. Unless you rise up against it in pride. We put a billboard up a few years ago and I went across the street. They had a billboard designer. I had not really been familiar with these people very much, but there were people who designed billboards. Okay, so guy designed billboards, went over there. I think uh, maybe Brother Moon was in there. I'm not sure, but we went over there, and I said, I want to put a verse up, Luke chapter 13, verse 3. Right away, the whole staff, right, the whole staff's there. There are about 10 people. And he's like, uh, I said, do you folks have a Bible here? And nobody, they scrambled. Nobody, nobody had a Bible. So I came back to church. I got a Bible because I didn't have one either. But I, I got a Bible. <laughs> I was going to hope one of them would save me, but they didn't. And uh, I don't think at that time I even had a Bible on the phone. I they didn't have it. So I, I went over there with the Bible, and I, I, the head guy, the head guy, the designer, I, I showed him this, Luke, chapter. except he, these are Jesus' words I said. He said, I see. I said, they were red. I said, well, red, that means Jesus actually spoke these words and they were used the whole, well, I mean, I couldn't get into much theology. But he it said, it says, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Some of the people that heard it say that said, that's not in the Bible. God doesn't talk about perishing. This is how little they understood. Had already formed their life opinions and I never looked at the book. I said, folks, you're talking crazy. Here it is. I, and I talked to him, and he says, is that really the Bible? And he takes the book and looks at it. I mean, they, just, they struggled believing that Jesus would say something that hard. Except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And by the way, they inherently knew that didn't mean just to die. That meant to be cast in a place called hell. When we designed the sign, some of you will remember this, we had on the whole bottom of the sign flames, flames coming up on the bottom of the billboard. Now, this billboard was on 41, 155,000 people, they say, pass that billboard every day or something like that. I mean, it was unbelievable. This was a 40-foot by 10-foot lit till midnight billboard on the US 41 on northbound lane. It was on a curve, so the the... the the time that you actually could see and understand what the billboard said was something like 10 seconds. That is huge for billboard, if you know billboard talk. Billboard talk, 10 seconds, is an eternity of view. It's kind of like this cross on the building back here that God did, and, and brother, brother, we didn't do that. God did that whole thing. That When you're sitting over there at Pelican Landings waiting for that 25-minute light, <laughs> that you are looking across at that cross. And you can't help it. If you're the first two or three, you see that cross. And anybody that turns in both going northbound as well as going southbound turns into old 41. That whole maybe three or four seconds that you take that, you look straight at that cross. It's a testimony. Our billboard had a 10-second viewing, was lit up till midnight, hundred and some odd thousand a day going by that, with Jesus' words, with flames on the bottom, so they'd get the idea that Parish wasn't just physically dying. Jesus was warning those folks because he loved them, and he was getting ready to die for them, and he was getting ready to take upon Calvary all of their sin, and substitute for them because there's no way that you and I could ever earn our salvation because you never could go undo anything you ever did wrong. You have to face what you have done or let Jesus face it. What choice have you made? That was easy, easy choice. I want Jesus to take it. That's how I got saved. I said, I want Jesus to take it. I don't want it. I'll take, have him take it. So, but when you talk to people, he said to me, "He said when we except you repent, you shall all likewise perish." He said to me, "Now you don't understand. This is going to get some anger. Some people going to go by there and going to get mad." And I said, "Oh, I hope so." He goes, "Well, I don't know if I don't know if we should be associated with that." I said, "It'll help your business." He said, oh, I don't know. You know, designing billboards, if you get on the outside, nobody want to use you. He said, I said, trust me, it's going to be okay. Put it on there and say the preacher forced it on you. But whatever, I said, just just do it. I said, is it in the Bible? He said, it's in the Bible. I said, is there anything in this Bible that's going to hurt you? And he said, I don't think so. I said, is it Jesus' words? He said, it's Jesus' words. I said, is it two, th- almost 2,000 years historically a fact? Yes. What's wrong with truth? Let's put it up there. And they put it up. And I mean, for a year, maybe and a half, year and two, three months. That old thing, fifteen thousand bucks a year. Gospel Baptist. Fifteen of us got together at a thousand bucks a month, and a few others put some other money in. And for I don't know how many years, we put the Bible, the Word of God, up on that old billboard till about two hundred five, two hundred six. And we said the truth. And I don't, boy, the secretaries would say, "Amen." We made some people Bad. Yeah. Woo! The secretaries will tell you. They'd call up and blah, 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 they'd be all over us. And I'm thinking, oh boy, I hope they got saved. We put anti-abortion statements up there. They wouldn't let us put the one I wanted to, which was abortion kills babies. They thought kills was too hard. I said, what does abortion do? I forgot what we put up there. Abortion. Well, anyway, we I, we didn't put kills babies because they wouldn't let me do that. What's that? Well, oh, that was another one. Please, Mama, take my hand, not my life. That was another one. But we did do the abortion does something. I can't remember what, but but anyway, we had people call. You know what the majority of you know who women. I want you to get this. You know who the majority of, of mean, mad, irate callers were. Men who didn't want to pay the price for their fun? Man! Chewing us out. Not long ago, a woman called me up. She says, I want to bring a daughter by, my 12-year-old daughter by, and let you meet her because because of that billboard, I decided not to have an abortion. I want you to meet the girl. What a day that was. What a day that was saved more than one life. Trust me, it saved many lives. Two girls were both, to support each other, were both pregnant and they were going to go down and have an abortion. They passed a sign, called the office and said, we're not going to have it because we feel like it's not a good thing to do. And they didn't. Two kids then, two kids, two women. No one kid, the other woman. Who knows how many? That's just the one who called us. Sometimes you got to tell the truth to people and I encourage you this year in 2016 to make it a year where you tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. When you tell them about Jesus, tell them, you're never going to win a self-righteous person anyway. You're never going to win a self-righteous person because self-righteous people don't get saved. You're never going to win a proud person because proud people don't get saved. You're never going to win a good person because good people don't get saved. You know who gets saved? Sinners. Humble, broken, contrite, sinners. Unable to save themselves. They get saved. So the first stage is madness. And when you begin to think of how Jesus died for you and how wicked you are and what he did for you, you begin to get sad under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Now let me just try to explain something to you. Sadness will fill your heart at understanding you've sinned against God and, and you're lost and undone and wicked and in need of a Savior. Tears will often accompany this stage. But you're not, and, and as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10, for godly sorrow, that's what's happening. You may get mad that somebody told you you're a sinner, but when the Holy Spirit begins to show you, indeed are unfit to face God. You begin to get sad. You begin to get grieved the bible says for godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation what is that it's not repentance that you got caught that's not true repentance it's not repentance that there's consequences that's not true repentance true repentance is when you come to the place where you feel you feel sick at your soul that you've sinned against god your creator Like David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That's the spirit of people who are forgiven by the blood of Christ. First stage is madness. The second stage is sadness. And then when you bow in your heart and are broken and contrite before Jesus and claim Him as your Savior and His finished work. The third stage is gladness. So the first stage is madness. The second stage is sadness. The third stage... It's gladness. How many in here are glad this morning? Hey man. I'm glad. I'm so glad. I'm so glad that nothing can go bad in my life that's gonna that's gonna that's gonna that's going to blow out that gladness. Now sometimes you can get sick like you've been sick and it wants to quench. But in that, in that storm is that gladness to know there's an end to it. In that storm there's a gladness to know that in the end I get to walk with him on streets of gold. That I'll be pure from all of my sins forgiven. The Bible says though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Other folks may not understand what that looks like, but that's a white powdery stuff that falls out of the sky. You want your sins forgiven? You can't even want it in case, unless you know you got it. So you get mad at what God says, but it's the truth and it's the whole truth and it's nothing but the truth. And then you you repent become sad that you've sinned against God. And thirdly, by the grace of God, you will get glad. Now, You may may have relatives that are unsaved. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going to get them saved. They're not going to get saved by whitewashing the truth. You're not going to sneak up on their blind side and somehow sneak them the truth. There's only one way people get saved, and that's head on, brother. It's facing it for what it is. I'm not talking about being obnoxious. Me? My sister-in-law, Beth, more. We prayed for Kathy and I prayed for her again last night. We've prayed for her for forty five years now that she gets saved. But when Beth when I was first married to Kathy, Beth is older than I am, and I have, I have no credit I had no credibility at all with Kathy's family. And if you want to know more about it, tell I'll talk to me later. But I had no credibility with her family as far as being a Christian. None. And yet I felt a responsibility to tell them the gospel. I got no credibility. When I say no credibility, I'm in the minus. And I just felt burden of God, and I took Beth one time, sitting at the kitchen table, and I said, Beth, can I tell you the gospel? Well, I don't know, okay. So I started telling her the gospel. Pretty soon she gets mad, gets up and says, I don't want to hear that anymore. I said, Beth, please, let me finish. Time and time again through the years I've told people the gospel and they've gotten mad at me and gotten up and gotten away from it. And I talked to Kathy's mother and she got upset. I mean, she was a sweet woman, but she got upset and didn't want to hear any. I don't want to hear any more of that. But old Carmen Moore not long ago got saved. Kathy's brother got saved. Kathy's sister-in-law got saved. The kids of Kathy's brother got saved. And salvation has swept through the Moore family and saved them one at a time. We weren't worried about whether they liked us. We cared that they got the truth. Go back to your families. Those that haven't talked to you in years, call them up and say, I got something. Would you give me five minutes just for being your brother? Would you give me five minutes just for being your relative? Click. <laughs> no, I'm not going to give you. Well, I did my best. I realize how relatives are. I realize how relatives are. They were that way to Jesus. Hey, as, as many miracles Jesus did all over the place, and said, now wait a minute, we know you, you're, you You know, we know you. What do you, What do you make yourself out to be? And the Bible said you couldn't do many miracles among them because they're unbelieved? That's the way you get treated among your own family. You're not some big doctor among your family. You're little George. That's right. That's right. You go to your dad, you go to your dad, you know, and say, uh, I'm Dr. Gillespie. You say, You ain't Dr. Gillespie. I'm whip you right here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you ain't big in front of your mom and dad. You ain't big in front of your grandpa and grandpa. You ain't, you ain't got none of them degrees and all that smarts and all that stuff. You just want their kid. And it is tough to talk to parents, it's tough to talk to family. But by the grace of God, when you do it, understand you may get a reaction of madness. But understand if the Holy Spirit gets in that thing and they realize who they are, they're going to get sad and get saved and get glad. You let God take care of the conviction. You let God take care of all that. You just do the truth. Like Jesus did, be faithful to tell them the truth. Like I like Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 17 to 21, he told Ezekiel, just tell them the truth, Ezekiel. Just say the truth. And by the way, if you know much about Ezekiel, woo, he, he did, that makes some people mad. Father, help us today, not to not to be afraid to speak the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Help us today, by the grace of God, to say it, tell it like it is, just tell it like it is. And Father, may we just quit worrying so much about the reaction and just say it and tell it like it is. And may the Blessed Holy Spirit take what have what's said and convict as you see fit. Forgive us sometimes for interpolating your word too much, for for watering it down, for subtracting from it to where it's got no more power. Help us just to speak it, reproduce it. But help us to have the responsibility that was given to, e, to Ezekiel, that's given also to us, that we warn the wicked of their wicked way, that we warn those that are saved if they're in sin to quit it, to stop it, that we, because we love them, care for them enough to be made to feel inconvenienced or made to feel uh, uncomfortable ourselves. Or Jesus, if there'd be somebody in this room without Christ. You've heard the gospel time and time again. I can tell you this for sure, you're going to die. I can tell you this for sure, you're going to face Jesus Christ as the judge of all that is. I can tell you this for sure, that if you have not trusted Him and repented of your sin and asked Him to be your Savior, you will have to answer for your sin. And I can tell you this with all assurance, that he'll be, that you'll pay for your sin in an eternity in a place called the lake of fire. And I can tell you this with certainty, that you don't have to have that outcome. If you're in the sound of my voice right at this moment, you do not have to have that outcome. Why don't you ask Jesus to save you? Why don't you humble your proud heart? Why don't you just say, I don't care what people think of me. I don't care what, what goes on. I'm trusting Christ my Savior. I'm not asking you to be a Baptist. I'm not asking you to join the church. I'm not asking you to get into a denomination. I'm asking you to get right with God. Why don't you say today, yes, this is it. I'm gonna, people have been praying for you. My, you've had people praying for you. Why don't you say today is it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out of the closet. I'm going to make it known. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be iffy. I'm going to be real with God today. The moment we're gonna have a couple of verses just says I am, why don't you make it today, right here, right now? Because you know what? You don't have tomorrow. Father, you do your work in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand.